Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. So glad that you're here today. You're in for a special treat because my wife, Amy, is here with me. So let's welcome her to the stage today. (laughs) Look, not only is she an amazing wife and mom, but she is also a certified Christian counselor uh, with a specialist, and she's also a specialist in uh, child and teenage behavior, which, by the way, is why she's so adept at handling Libby, Ben, and myself. Um, (laughs) You know when you're young and you're in love and you're about to get married, I mean, you think you know everything about the other person, but you don't. I mean, I think our conversations about kids went something like this, and probably when we were engaged, probably just said, hey, do you want kids? Yeah. Great, me too. And I think that was the extent of it. Yeah, that was about it. And I thought, I mean, she's pretty. She'll be a great mom, you know? I mean, that's that's what I thought. But but I mean, here's the thing. I had no idea what kind of parent she was going to be. I didn't know what kind of parent I was going to be. But but I, I will say this, though. This is just one of those deals where I just drew the long straw, okay? Because I'm telling you, I have learned more about parenting from Amy than I have pretty much from anybody else. In fact, I'm, let me just tell you, and just t- tell you a story about how good she is. Um, about a year ago, I was uh, helping my daughter Libby with some math homework, and uh, I'm going to be honest, it wasn't going very well. Okay, um, that's an understatement. Did, that is an understatement. It yeah, was not going I mean, well. despite my, like, just brilliant and clear explanations about math, um, she was getting frustrated. I was getting frustrated, and so she started giving me some attitude, which, you know, just made me just kind of bow up even more, until finally, like, it just kind of blew up, and I said, okay, that's it. That's it. Like, I am done. I already know how to do all this, but if you're not willing to learn, I don't have to teach you. I know this math. You don't. From now on, you're on your own, and I walked out. I know it was like dad of the year right there in that moment. But um, I did, I walked out, and I was so fuming mad. I went in our bedroom, and I told Amy what happened. And um, anyway, so we waited a little bit after I kind of calmed down. Uh, then we called Libby uh, in, because we were going to you know, have a little talk to her about her attitude about all this. And, um, and ju- I was just about to you know, just you know, get into it, and then Amy kind of looks at me. She says, hey, let me go first. And I said, okay, that's fine. Like, she wants to play good cop, bad cop. Like, I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> so it's fine. Like, we'll go with this. And so uh, and then out of the blue, Amy says, Libby, are you upset about what your teacher said to you today? And Libby goes, uh-huh. And she just starts bawling and falls into Amy's arms and just cries. I'm thinking, what just happened here? Like, what in the I still have no idea how you knew to ask her that. I just knew it had to be something else for her to be acting that way. Well, I, I'll be honest with you, I still don't know even how all that happened. I don't know okay, how you well, do all that. Okay, well, part of it is just knowing that we have a teenage girl. Yeah, well, I, mean, I guess so, but you're just really good at this, okay? Um, in fact, let me just say this. Uh, moms, dads, grandparents, there's so much that we have for you today. Um, and so please, please, please let all this sink deep into your heart. But I'll even say this, if you don't have kids, 
Like if you're a teenager or if you're single and you don't have kids or even if you're married and don't have kids, there's a lot here for you today as well. Because look, here's the thing. One day you might have kids. And so if you can get God's principles down and in place in your life, you'll be a better parent from the start. And I'll also say this. There's a pretty good chance, secondly, is that you're a pretty good chance that you already have influence and a voice in the life of some kids somewhere, you know, maybe a niece or a nephew. And so if you get these principles down, I'm telling you, it'll make you a much better uncle or a much better aunt, okay? So um, let's go ahead, go ahead and plot your message notes. Let's go ahead and get right in, down into it. So what are the down-to-earth parenting principles that God has for us today that what he wants us to know? Well, here's the first one, okay? And write this down. It's that discipline and discipleship hold hands. Discipline and discipleship hold hands. Okay, this is something that we see in Scripture, but it rarely translates into our parenting. So let's see what God says. In Proverbs twenty-two fifteen, he says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Proverbs 23, 13 says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with the rod, they will not die. Okay, so right away, we see two things. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. Uh huh. So the first one is every child has folly bound up in their heart. And two, you're already tracking with me, contrary to what kids believe, they will not die from a little discipline. Okay? So, sure. But here's the thing. I think a lot of times we miss the point of discipline. Like there's a lot of times that I think we think that discipline is about um, how to, like who's stronger, who has more power, who's the one that's going to, you know, like we're going to let our kids fear us or we're going to like satisfy our anger. But that is not what God says. Instead, he is saying that discipline, the purpose of it is to teach. Yeah, that's absolutely true. In fact, you might not know this, but the word discipline and the word disciple both come from the same root word, which means learner. It means learner. Yeah. Yep. Okay, and I love that because it, what it means is that the focus of our discipline needs to be more about shaping the heart and the character of our child more than it is about stopping a particular behavior. Okay, so um, let me, I'm going to give you some principles. And the first one, we, we gave you some room to write. And so use the space to write it down. So the first principle is... I have to know the temperament of my child and discipline accordingly. Okay, see, when our kids were young, we used to discipline them the same way. Mm-hmm. And so we yeah. would do the same thing. So, for example, we would um, tell both of them, hey, you can either learn from our words or you can learn from a consequence. But because our kids have different personalities and they respond differently, that didn't necessarily work for both of them. See, Libby responds really well to words. And so all we have to do is talk to her, and that usually takes care of it. Oh, yeah, but our son, Ben, totally different story, okay? Totally different. Um, It usually starts with words, but it rarely ends there. I mean, that kid needs typically a consequence to get his attention. So, I mean, and that consequence can vary. Like, sometimes it can be washing the cars, or sometimes he has to do something nice for his sister, which you can imagine he loves. Um, Sometimes we fine him. Sometimes it's like manual labor, and he's got to do yard work. 
And sometimes, well, actually, most times, it's just 25 push-ups right then, right there. Yeah, and uh, that's, yeah. And so he's built up quite some muscles over this last year. And that's a part of, part yeah, of the, this. The kid's it's true. Ripped. Yeah, he's ripped. But what we found is that what works for Ben would absolutely crush Libby. Uh -huh. And what works for Libby, like, I don't think Ben would learn anything. No. And so my guess is that if you have different children, you will need to discipline them differently as well. Like that's just kind of part of it. Yeah. Okay. The second discipline principle is this. Make sure the discipline addresses the heart, not just the behavior. Make sure the discipline addresses the heart and not just the behavior. Now, let me give you an example of what I mean. So let's say that one of our kids says something mean to the other one. Instead of just saying, don't be mean to your brother or stop being mean to your sister, what we'll do is we will have them go and write down 10 things that they love or appreciate about the other one. And then they have to go and apologize to the other one. And it can't just be, sorry. I mean, it has to be like they have to look them in the eye say what they're sorry for, and actually ask for forgiveness for whatever they did that was wrong. Yeah, and, the, and here's the deal. When they you know, say they're sorry to their, other, their sibling, like they have to mean it. And they have to mean it so that I'm convinced. And if I'm not convinced they're sorry, they have to do it again until they convince me that they're sorry. Because like, our, look, our kids know that we're not interested in them just being able to repeat the words or just act it out. We are interested in a change in their heart. And so we want their heart to change. And, and that's really what matters, right? Okay, so one time um, our kids, well, it's not like this is the only time that happened, but this <laughs> one time our kids were arguing and bickering and I had just had it. Like I was over it. And so Mike and I decided that the following Saturday, they would spend the entire Saturday working together so that they could practice getting along. And so that's what they did. <laughs> They, and we told them, you can either learn it this Saturday or you're going to be doing it again next Saturday. And so um, basically, we had them work together to clean out each other's closets, to wash the cars, to pull weeds, to find a recipe and cook dinner. So yeah. it was all day Saturday. Yeah, it was all day. And, um, and here's the thing. And since, since one of our goals as a family, and if you were here last week, you know this, one of our family goals is to always be close as a family. We decided that on that day, that whenever the kids finished like one of the unfun tasks, that if they did it on time and they did it well, that they would get to do a fun task. Like, like they had to beat us at cards or something like that. Um, now, if they didn't do the task right, or if they, you know, did it in a, or if they did in a sloppy job or they didn't do it on time, well then, they didn't get to do the fun thing, they just went on to, you know, like whatever the next, like weed pulling, you know, thing was they had to do that day. But it was really, really cool. It yeah. really worked out well. Well, it was fun for us to watch our kids mm -hmm. working together and actually getting along. And part of what we found is that if we will stop and take time to remember that discipline and discipleship hold hands, what we'll do is we will figure out what discipline is actually going to be effective in changing the heart to get towards the behavior we're wanting to instill. Because that's the point. Yeah. Discipline and discipleship hold hands. And our hope is that that will drive folly from the heart of a child and instead replace it with a more teachable spirit. I told y'all she was good, right? Michael. 
I mean, she is. Okay. Um, one last uh, thing under discipline. So you know, go ahead and write this down too, okay? Um, as kids get older, the rod changes. As kids get older, the rod changes. What I mean by this is like the, the rod of discipline has to change. Absolutely. Like when they're younger, the rod may be like a swat on the hand or a spank on the bottom or they don't get to watch their favorite video or that toy has to get put away or a timeout. But when they're older, the rod changes. And it doesn't just need to be like take their phone away unless, of course, that is the problem. Right. But instead, make it fit what you're trying to shape in their heart. So, for instance, I mean, we've already kind of said, like, sometimes our kids will have to do something nice for the person in the family that they were ugly to. Or maybe they have to wash the car. Maybe they've got to do some manual labor of mulching flower beds or pulling weeds or even get the spider webs off the porch yeah. ceiling. Yeah, and that's, that, the, that's Libby hates that one the most. Oh like, when word. she's got to clean the spider webs that, like off the, the porch ceiling, yeah. she just like, hates that. Um, so, anyway, uh, but the point is, is the rod has to change over time. Because look, the purpose of the rod of discipline is to shape the heart of a child, okay? It's never, it's never to beat a child. But when you remember that discipline and discipleship hold hands, that changes the way that you discipline, right? Of course it does. Okay, uh, let's move on. Here's the second big parenting principle for today, okay? So write this down, or this is your next feeling. Um, I need to be strategic about other voices. I need to be strategic about other voices. Now, let me give you the background of these next uh, set of verses so that they make sense to you, okay? Um, King Solomon has just passed away, and his son Rehoboam has been named king. Now, under King Solomon, the taxes on the people of Israel have been really, really high. And so the people come to King Rehoboam and they ask him, what kind of king are you going to be? Are you going to keep taxes high like they were, or are you going to lighten the load on us as a people? Well, Rehoboam has to go and think about what, think about it a little bit, and he gets some advice. And so as he does, I want you to pay attention to the other voices in Rehoboam's life. So here's what happens. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 10, beginning in verse 6. The Bible says this, it says, then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. They replied, if you will be kind to these people and please them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. He asked them, what is your advice? How should we answer the people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father has put on us? The young man who had grown up with him replied, tell the people who have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. You tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. And so you know what? Rehoboam took the advice of the young guys. Now, how do you think that went? Yeah, pretty poorly. In fact, the king, the, half the people rebelled and the kingdom split in half and it never recovered. And it's all because Rehoboam listened to the wrong set of 
other voices in his life. Okay, and that's why as parents, you need to be super strategic about the other voices that are in your kids' lives. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't control what they hear at school. If you are divorced and the kids go to the other parents every other weekend, you can't control what that other parent says to them. And so you need to be super strategic about the voices that you can control. Yeah, that's right. And that, this is something that you and I, we've been strategic about really from the get-go. And honestly, this is a, a parenting principle that we kind of stumbled on by accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when... Um, when Libby was two and Ben was nine months old, we started going to family camp at Pine Cove. And um, that's the same group that does the camp in the city here in the summertime at our church. Anyway, what we found was that the caliber of counselors there was so high and that the entire time that we were there, they were speaking into the lives of our kids. They were speaking truth, they were encouraging them, and they were really setting a high bar for them. And so for us, we realized, okay, other voices being strategic with that, that is something that we can control. And so we started um, just making sure that we were really picky about who babysat our kids. We didn't want somebody to just take care of our kids. We wanted somebody who would also disciple our kids and would encourage them and would um, just really challenge them mm-hmm. to be the very best that they could be. Mm-hmm. And like that has paid off huge for us because when we're teaching our kids or giving them examples, a lot of times we can refer back to those babysitters and be able to say, do you see how they treated their siblings? Or look at their standard for dating. Or let's look at how they treat people, that they are always building people up instead of tearing people down. Mm-hmm. And like that's proved to be invaluable. I mean, so much so that it is not uncommon for our kids to text one of their old babysitters and ask for advice, even though she's married and about to be a mom herself. Yeah, it's true, true. So you gotta be really careful and picky about your babysitters. Uh, and also, in this parenting principle, this is also another reason why we have made sure that our kids have been in small group here at church, literally ever since they were in pre-K. Because we have found that small group provides a great source of you know, other voices for our kids because that reinforces biblical truth. Because look, let's just be honest. It's one thing for Amy and I to tell our kids something, but it is something totally different when they hear it from somebody else. And for whatever reason, when they hear from somebody else, it just, it just has more credibility. I mean, it just, it just works that way, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so the next thing, and you can write this down, um, is not only do my kids need other voices, but I do too. Yeah. I need other voices in my life. And I need parents and grandparents that are in the next stage ahead of me that can give me advice. I need to be in small group. You need to be in small group with people where they can you know, bounce off ideas about parenting and about discipline. Um, you need to read books about parenting. You need to be listening to podcasts about parenting. Because here's the deal, the right other voices those things will only make you a better parent. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And let, let me just say this. Uh, grandparents, this is, this is one of those principles where you have a distinct advantage over parents, okay? Because look, grandparents, you have the opportunity to be a long-term other voice in the life of your grandkids. But in order for that to go well, you have to, you have to do it right. You have to make sure that you're not being parental. You have to be grand parental. Okay, now what do I mean by that? I mean that 
you know, when you're being parental, you're just telling your grandkids what they should do or what they should not do. That rarely goes well. So instead, you need to be grandparental. What I mean by that is that as a grandparent, you need, when you're talking to your grandkids, you need to tell them about how you learned or what your experience was about you know, whatever life lesson is that you're talking about, about what happened to you. You tell them what happened to you, and then you are careful, and you ask them about what they think about it. Ask them, and sometimes they'll take your advice, sometimes they won't, but here's the deal. If you just go parental on them and you start telling them what to do or what not to do, it almost never goes well. Instead, you need to be grandparental. You tell them your experience, and you ask them what they think they should do. And again, sometimes they'll take your advice, sometimes they won't, but I'll tell you what, that's how you be a great grandparent, a great other voice in their life, okay? Okay, all right, um, we've got time for one more really important uh, down-to-earth parenting principle, okay? And, the, and, and it comes from this thought of, wh- what if you have a wayward child? What if despite your best parenting, your best efforts, your best prayers, your frequency in church, what if you just do everything right? What if after all that, they still choose to walk away and not follow God? Well, what then? Well, the answer for you is this, and that is to imitate the prodigal son's dad. you got to imitate the prodigal son's dad. Now, the story of the prodigal son is found in Luke chapter 15. It it was too long to print here, so I'll just let you go read it on your own. But let me just summarize the story. Essentially, a dad has two sons. One son is faithful, and he stays home. The other son asks for his inheritance early, and then he leaves home, and he squanders all of it on wild living. And then when that son reaches a point of desperation, that prodigal son finally comes home. Now, from that story, we learn some things. But, but can you imagine, can you imagine the pain the prodigal son's dad was going through? Well, you know what? Some of you can. Because you've, you've gone through that pain. Or maybe you're going through that pain right now. But we learned some key things from the prodigal son's dad and how he handled it, okay? And how he handled it is how we should handle it too. So here's the first thing we learned from the prodigal son's dad, and that is this. Let them go. Just let them go. See, here's the deal. Um, Once the prodigal son's dad realized that his son had had already decided that he was going to leave, the prodigal son's dad let him go. Even though the dad knew that his son was going to probably learn the hard way, which, by the way, he did. He still, he let him go. And then his son, eventually, after he'd blown it all, there was a famine that hit the land, and the son reached a point of just pure desperation in his life. But he let him go. Now, the second thing the, the prodigal son's dad did is this, is number two, I, I need to keep looking and praying. Keep looking and praying. See, when the son was desperate enough to finally come home, the Bible says this. It says, the father saw his son while he was still a long way off. Look, you can't see someone from a long way off if you're not constantly looking for them. And so the prodigal says that he was constantly looking. He was constantly hoping. He was constantly praying. And that's what you need to do too. You need to keep looking, keep hoping, keep praying. And then hopefully one day, God will break through to that child's heart. And hopefully one day that child will come home. 
And when they do, then you need to do the third thing. And that's this, number three, is that you need to make it easy to come back. You gotta make it easy to come back. See, I love this because the father does make it easy for the son to come back because the son starts to explain what happened and the dad doesn't even care. He's just glad his son is home. And so he brings him in, he puts the ring on his finger, puts the robe around his neck, he puts sandals on his feet, he kills the fattened calf, and he has a party Mm -hmm. because he just is glad he's there. He doesn't make him jump through a bunch of hoops, he doesn't make him promise he'll never do it again, he's just glad he's home. Now, for some of you to be able to do that, you may have to forgive yourself for some things that you wish you had done differently. Maybe you need to ask God to do some healing in your heart so that you can make it easy for them to come back. Okay, and here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you don't have to necessarily set boundaries or that you just start giving them money or that you let them take advantage of it, take advantage of you again. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you welcome them back with the same love and grace that your heavenly Father has shown you. Yeah, and honestly, and that's really the point of the prodigal son story. I mean, yes, I know that we're using it to talk about parenting, but the truth is, the point of the prodigal son story when Jesus tells it is to show us how God treats us. It's how he treats us. Because, um, see, when you were far away from God and if you were bent on continuing to walk away from God, God let you go. And God has let some of us learn some things in life the hard way, right? Yes, but he has always made it easy for us to come back. And so, and when we came back, when we came back to God, when we, there was never any judgment. It was always just love and forgiveness and acceptance. And that's what God's done for us. So look, for you, I'll say this. If you've been far away from God and you're coming back, and maybe you're coming back because you realize you need God's help in your parenting or in your grandparenting, or maybe you're coming back because, you know, you grew up in church and you know you've gotten away from it, but you really feel like, oh, I need to get back to it again. Or maybe for you, you're, you, you've never known God, but you've been coming here for a while, and now today you say, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready to take that step to believe and ask Jesus Christ to come into my life. If that's you, and you're ready to take that step, and you've never asked Christ to come into your life, you can do that today. And you do that by praying a short prayer, and that prayer, it's, it's in your message notes at the bottom of the page. So if you've never prayed that prayer before, I want you to take a second. I want you to pray that prayer right now, okay? Now, if you've already prayed that prayer before at some time in your life, and you realize you've gotten away from God, but you're coming back to him today, then what I want you to do is I want you to take a second. I want you to pray silently. I want you to pray and tell God, God, I'm coming back, and I'm coming back for good. So help me grow in my faith. Just take a second. I want you to pray that prayer. But look, let me just say this like for all of us, okay? Look, and Amy and I are in this with you, okay? There are no perfect parents. Like, there's, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. Yeah. I mean, we are far from perfect. Like, most of what we're sharing with you today, we've learned from trial and error. We've learned the hard way. We've learned through tears and prayer and mm-hmm. frustrations. So we are not perfect. No, absolutely not perfect. In fact, um, to help reinforce that, in two weeks, our kids are going to be here with us on stage. And they're going to tell you how imperfect we are as parents. Uh, So make sure that you're here. Yeah, so make sure you're here in two weeks. It's really going to be really good. Because look, if you'll put these parenting principles into practice, okay, let me tell you this. It won't make you a perfect parent. But here's what it will do. It will make you a better parent. 
and it'll make you a better grandparent. So I want everybody to bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for us all, okay? Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you so much for, um, for these parenting principles that you've laid out in the Bible and how you use them to help make us better parents and better grandparents. And I pray for every parent, grandparent, even future parents and future grandparents that are listening today, God, that you would use these things to help make us better so that you can use us to raise up a next generation that loves you and serves you and follows you with all their heart. And so I pray for all of our kids and grandkids right now that you would start that process and use us to help draw them closer to you. And Lord, I pray for any child that's a wayward child, that's, that's gone off the rails and gone off track. Father, I ask that you would make a divine appointment with them to bring them back to you. And that you would use us to make it easy. We love you, Father. We put all these things in your hands and ask you to bless them and bless us and guide us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.